monsters, madness, and magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, and this afternoon I am joined by a very special guest, author, editor, teacher, the Lord of Lovecraftiana, and the Sultan of Schlock, Mr. Gavin Chapel. Gavin, how the hell are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you, man. So I suppose the appropriate place to start would be the beginning. So what sort of fiction, films, television, board games, anything? What were you devouring when you were a kid? Your sort of weird fiction origin story. Well, funnily enough, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was in there along somewhere along the way, uh, and Call of Cthulhu. I was very keen on Call of Cthulhu as a kid. Um, I was, yeah, I was into Lord of the Rings, Michael Moorcock. I was into metal. I was basically into the whole thing, really. Nope. Um, so H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was one of those things I heard. We always writers I heard a lot about, but they were. It's very difficult to get hold of books, particular books back then, back in the eighties. Uh, so he's kind of a legendary figure for a long time. And I heard about Call Cthulhu, but there was this kind of mystique. It was almost like joining a cult back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What sort of metal were you? Yeah. Do you still listen to metal? Uh, I was, I've got back into it uh, recently. I went off it in the mid 90s, you know, with new metal and all that kind of thing. But I was into you know, Iron Maiden, Motorhead, oh, that yeah. kind of thing. The good stuff. The 80s, yeah, good old stuff. So when, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go on. So, uh, do you remember the first time that you gave writing a serious go? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I had an idea. It was, you know, I just finished school and I thought, hey, I know what. I'd read uh, all sorts of introductions to you know, Michael Moorcock's books and Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft, those, those particular writers. Um, and I thought, hey, yeah, that sounds like a good job. I'll just leave school and become a writer and make my living like that. And this is like the um, very early 90s. There were hardly any magazines like Weird Tales or anything like that available. There was Interzone, and that was about it. Uh, I realised quite quickly that I wasn't going to be H.P. Lovecraft or Michael Moorcock overnight. So it took me a long time before I um, really found my way. But I started writing, um, yeah, probably about the age of 16, seriously writing. I'd written a few things before that, um, but I didn't get published. But yeah, basically, it seemed like a good idea for a job. After a while, I realised. (laughs) <laughs> it was going to be more of a hobby. What age did you get published, if you don't mind me asking? Um, first thing I got published, um, I was yeah probably about it was probably about twenty years later. I was in my mid thirties. Uh, I had um, well, I was published in a book um, back then. The first thing I was actually published in was self publishing, which back then was regarded as a bit you know a bit shabby, a bit um, uh, inadequate. Um, there was a, a publisher called Virtual Bookworm dot com and uh, they published or i self-published through them um a book called celtic dawn uh, but after that um there was a <clears throat> a poem i translated from old english Ooh. which got picked up by a, a penguin anthology and that was quite good um and then uh, i thought i'm going to really try and get something published i'm going to write something that i know is going to get published and that's when i got into local history because i'd um read uh, a book um by uh, someone else from where I come from in England. Uh, it was about our Viking history. And I thought, hey, I could have written that. Right. So I looked around for another um, kind of subject like that, which was smuggling in the 18th century. And I thought, right. I'll, and no one had written a book about it. So I researched it, wrote a book about it, got it published. And then, great. <laughs> that so, started me off on the, the road to uh, life as a writer. <laughs> Is it your personal preference to have fiction that kind of has those historical nuggets in it? 
Uh, I, I am very interested in history. Um, I do like historical fiction. Uh, I write a bit of historical fiction. I read a lot of historical fiction. Um, but I also do like fantasy. Um, I, I really do like fantasy, particularly the weirder kind of, you know, Jack Vance, um, Clark Ashton Smith, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I love Clark Ashton kind of Smith, man. Like if I ever have a, a void of wanting to write, if I just read a couple paragraphs of Clark Ashton Smith, I'm like, well, let's, let's go write a book. <laughs> so i'm almost ashamed because i'm looking at your uh your amazon list here you have written quite a lot that i was not aware of i'm gonna yeah. have to dive in to see so yeah i'm not saying it's all good <laughs> i i've spent the last 10 years pretty much the last 10 years uh writing ebooks uh, some of them are quite short uh, i wrote um a, a very long series uh of just short um novellas a, a long series it's, it's a kind of um fantasy group of kids end up in a fantasy world and they just sort of get involved in any number of different um situations it just goes on and on and on it turns into science fiction after a while it turns into kind of weird fantasy sci-fi uh, and just so that that probably pads the whole thing out but they are about six thousand words uh the the individual ones quite you can read each one here in it uh, i'm honestly. definitely going to dive into these they look right up my alley i'm looking at uh on hadrian's secret service uh oh yeah that's probably um, the one that's become most successful. That's the start of a historical spy series set in the, uh, well, in Hadrian's Day, oddly enough. That's pretty cool. Roman times. So tell us a little bit how uh, you got involved uh, starting Schlock, which is a weekly webzine, focuses on science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Just tell us how that got uh, kicked off. Well, that um, was the result of a very cold winter 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago. Um, New Year sort of time. Uh, and I was at my sister's um, in uh, Oxford and her boyfriend was a big um, Michael Moorcock fan. And he had all the, the New World, is it, yeah, New World, but you know, the uh, magazines that Moorcock uh, edited. Uh, and Michael Moorcock had been one of the ones, one of the writers who I thought, you know, who'd inspired me to become uh, a writer. Um, and I was just glancing at these on the, the shelf. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to edit a magazine like that and i already was uh, editing uh, a web scene uh, which i set up as uh, teaching creative writing at the time uh, and some of my students had said uh, hey why don't we set up some kind of magazine uh, so i ended up um, editing that so i had some previous experience but i thought why not just do what i want to do you know right publish the kind of thing that i'm really into and you know encourage other people to write that kind of thing so i i thought it would be you know, just a general kind of science fiction, fantasy, horror, because everyone mm -hmm. who likes one of them likes pretty much all of them. Yeah. Uh, and that's how it started. So <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how many webzines were already out there. I hadn't the faintest idea. I just <laughs> dived in and uh, and that was schlock. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were teaching the creative name, writing. The obviously, is used ironically. Sorry. You said you were teaching creative writing. So uh, what is usually the first piece of advice you give somebody when you're trying to teach them creative writing? Um, hmm. Well, characters are important uh, and every character has to have a goal. If a character's got a goal, they will do things in the story. They don't have any point to them or any motivation or any uh, anything they want to do. They just they won't go anywhere. The story won't go anywhere. I'm more of a plot kind of writer than a character writer but characters make plot so right. you have one character wants this thing another character wants that thing and the story comes about through the clash between them I mean, they might want the same thing but obviously they're going to clash about it 
And that's basically, from my point of view, that's how stories are created. Have you yourself noticed an increase in pulp works near it since we're nearing the roaring 20s? There almost seems to be some kind of global consciousness shift back towards yeah. uh, the interest in those kinds of stories, you know, and that kind of storytelling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hadn't really seen it in those terms, but yeah, it's sort of a, very much a parallel with what was going on a hundred years ago. Um, I mean, I remember someone um, calling it new pulp. It'd been mm. going for a, probably about eight, eight or nine years. And there are all these things. It's a lot to do with um, publishing on demand technology, really. That's like the pulp um, publishing was back then. It's cheap. So <laughs> a lot of people are doing it. Before that, getting published was, oh, such a, so difficult. You know, you had to make sure you had something that an agent was ready to take on. You had to find out when the agents were taking on uh, authors. Then the agent would have to go through all the different publishers, trying to get them to take it on and, and so on and so forth. And in the end, you know, yeah. you'd be lucky if it got published. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's going to be, it would be neg negligent on my behalf to not ask the editor of Lovecraftiana his personal favorite Lovecraft stories. Okay, my favorite of the longer stories is The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, which is fantasy rather than horror. Lovecraft is usually associated with horror, but um, I think that is one of the best fantasy novels ever going. Uh, it is just the kind of fantasy I love, completely weird. You know, nobody said to H.P. Lovecraft, oh, well, you've got to have a consistent uh, attempt of world building or... Um, You've got to, you know, it's got to make sense. It's got to be, uh, you know, you, you can't have a bunch of cats flying up to the moon and fighting these squidgy moon beasts. You know, it's just fantasy, utter right. crazy fantasy. Um, I think um, also at the Mountains of Madness uh, and probably the Rats and the Wolves uh, of the, um, the shorter fiction, probably my favorite, but I couldn't really tell you what my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't either. That'd be quite a question. Like just thinking off the top of my head, I'd, I can't answer it. So what about the Lovecraftian circle of writers? Your Clark Ashton Smiths, your Robert Blocks, Frank Belknap Longs, Robert Howard. Uh, did you dive into those guys a good bit? Yeah. Well, I think I started with Robert E. Howard first um, and then um, moved into H.P. Lovecraft. And after that, I sort of, I went looking for uh, books. I went to, you know, secondhand bookshops and that kind of thing. I, and just looked for fantasy in general, but particularly those, those weird tales um, and Cthulhu mythos type of writers, because uh, I, I just love them. And I love that kind of mythology. You mm -hmm. read one, and there's a reference to some kind of god or um, monster, and then another one, and you find out oh, loads more about it. And quite often, it's quite inconsistent. And also the you know, the background with Lemuria and Atlantis and all right. the uh, all that sort of um, pseudo-history. And you know when you when you're younger reading these things, and before you could just Google something, you, you see the Necronomicon enough times across a number of writings, you you start thinking, is this thing real? Like, is this <laughs> is this out there somewhere? And it's yeah. just a cool tactic, yeah. you know. Uh, and the real, and also you find it in um, songs as well. I mean, um, Metallica and bands like that with yeah. <laughs> making H.P. Lovecraft uh, references. And it's like, Hang on, is this real? <laughs> it is funny. And then uh, of course you find out that they're about five different fake necronomicons out there yeah, the simon necronomicon i remember first getting that and just being like i really don't want to read this and you're just peeking <laughs> through it yeah. you don't want to go mad <laughs> and then you have uh what was i saying about lovecraft oh yeah the lovecraftian circle of writers uh, 
it's not that I don't like HP. Of course, I love HP Lovecraft. But when you're talking that circle of writers, I tend to lean towards more the Robert Howard style of Lovecraftian work, which is yeah to yeah. go and face the mad thing, cut its head off, maybe, and instead of Absolutely. you know <laughs> being a bit more passive about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just my personal preference. Yeah, well, um, I'm. I think um, HP Lovecraft and Robert Howard they sort of appeal to me in opposite ways. They sort of appeal to different sides of me. Uh, part of me would be want would want to be out there like Conan, but the other part of me would be, you know, would be um, the, the scholar laboring <laughs> yep. over uh, his researches. Yeah, so I, you, I love them both. They go together in a weird kind of way. You mentioned uh, the Dream Quest. Randolph Carter is my favorite Lovecraft character. Uh, um, the Unnameable is such a short story, but I don't know. We've had a we had an episode with the actor from the Unnameable, Randolph, oh, yeah. who portrayed Randolph Carter. Yeah, that yeah, was a really? that was a great one for me. Uh, we talked about how a lot of people thought H.P. Lovecraft was a director because you know back in uh, <laughs> back then you had uh, the Stuart Gordon films and all these Lovecraft of uh, red lettering H.P. Lovecraft stories coming out. It's just funny that a lot of people thought he was a director, and that's how they found the fiction was the movies. Wow, and there was a band back in the sixties called H.P. Lovecraft as well. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's kind of psychedelic rock band. Of course. Um, didn't have a lot to do with Lovecraft, but they just, they call themselves H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. After. Are you a fan of any of the film adaptions of Lovecraft's work? Um, I have seen The Unnameable. Um, quite enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't seen it, you know, and then there are quite a lot recently. Uh, I just haven't got around to seeing them, but I got a bit put off by some of the earlier ones. There was that black and white um kind of silent movie of Call of Cthulhu mm. it was out a while back. I quite enjoyed that. It was it was fun. But I've never seen anything that um you know, really does justice to uh to H.P. Lovecraft. It's a bit like the Lord of the Rings films. I mean I love the Lord of the Rings, but I've got my own picture of what uh, Middle Earth is like and what orcs are like and all that. And the films, I enjoyed them but but it's like mm, you can't really compare with what goes on in your head. <laughs> Gotcha. And do you have a personal preference when it comes to your classic sword and sorcery versus a uh, straight up horror? Do you have one that you lean towards? Oh, sword and sorcery. Definitely. Uh, I mean, how I got in, how I ended up with um, Lovecraftia. I've never been quite, I, I, I came up with the title. I'm never been quite sure how you pronounce it <laughs> bizarrely, but um, I was, I was publishing Schlock and to start off with the, the kind of stories that made me think, Oh, not another one were zombies or vampires they were the main ones it's like oh another vampire story i usually publish them but it's like oh can't you do something different um but then suddenly hp lovecraft and all that became the next one it's like people who have probably hadn't even read hp lovecraft were sending me these um cthulhu mythos kind of stories i got quite annoyed by the the kind of new wave of cthulhu mythos at, the, at that point i was kind of uh, curmudgeonly about it to start with uh, and um this is when i was um i started editing for rogue planet press uh and i came up uh, we were just doing anthologies uh so i decided to have an anthology called swords against cthulhu uh which was basically sword and mythos as they call it but it was kind of okay the horror side of cthulhu is great but let's have people like you say facing up to uh the horror with a, a sword in hand and perhaps they're doomed but they they still go down fighting yeah that's <laughs> but then i sort of appealing to me yeah yeah, but I got sort of dragged back into the kind of Lovecraftian uh, thing. And I, I started to really appreciate that there's, you know, it must be a third, fourth generation, third, third generation or fourth generation 
of um, Lovecraftian writers out there now. And and the great thing about um, my zine is now I'm getting people who are writing Cthulhu mythos back in the 70s. Like um, there's David Briley, who's written quite a few stories. Uh, there's the new one will be out in a um, week or two. There's a guy called uh, Bryn Forty. He was uh, one of the other, uh, you know, um, fantasy, sci-fi, Cthulhu mythos type of writers back in the, the 70s. So it's like, wow, the whole thing is coming back around. And it kind of gives them a new platform to try out. That's, that's pretty cool. That's it, yeah. So to date, what is the best writing advice you've received personally? Um, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, best writing advice I've received. Um, hmm. I Well, I, you know, people have, have said things to me. I've, I've read reviews, have given me new ideas and different perspectives. Um, one of the first things I, I wrote, well, the, the one I got um, self-published way back before that was fashionable. Um, I started off with a really dramatic scene and then cut to a, a kind of conference scene. I introduced a lot of characters who went on to you know, be important in the story, but I introduced them all in a rush. I didn't really appreciate that that was confusing to the reader. I think the, the best thing to do is try and put yourself in the reader's shoes and see and work out, and it's very difficult, but work out how they're going to see it. And, and another one, well, another criticism that um, I got when I was in a writing group uh, was, well, it was a, uh, it was a sword and sorcery kind of story, and uh, I won't bore you with the, the details, but at one point, the, the characters um, make an attack on another group of characters uh, and then run off. But there were some horses that they could have stolen and escaped on the horses. There was a reason for it. Um, it was all part of a complicated plan. But I hadn't made that clear to the reader. Uh, and one of the other people in the writing group said, but can I just ask you a question? Why didn't they steal the horses? And that's one that's one that stuck with me ever since. I hadn't explained it. I knew, but the reader didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But that's probably the best bit I've ever met. Why didn't they steal the horses? You know, I have to say while we're talking that we would not be having this conversation if you didn't. The first story I sent you was The Lords of Imagination. And that I remember it. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say that's the first story I ever wrote. And uh, I, I wrote it sitting. I was my wife was taking a bath and you know i walked in there and i said you know what i've never written before but i think i have a pretty cool idea for a story i think i'm gonna go try to write it i sat in a really? recliner for seven hours and i said <laughs> you mind reading this and she just comes out and she uh she comes out of the bedroom she goes holy shit and you know, i'm just <laughs> like and now i sent it to you and i remember when I, you accepted it we were in line waiting to get some food and i look at my phone and i said Oh man, this this guy accepted my story. What what the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great feeling, um, but I have to say I am immensely jealous because it took me decades before I could get to the point of writing something of that kind of quality. You know, I mean, I wrote and I wrote and I wrote, and most of the stuff I wrote was just unpublishable garbage. But I mean, I feel that it was unpublishable garbage because apart from anything, I tried to get it published and got knocked back time and time again. But this is back in the you know, the 90s or so when there were a few, very few magazines out there and you had to go, you, know, you had to, to print out the entire manuscript and send it by post to, and you didn't get a reply for you know, months or whatever. Finally, you get a letter back. I sent one to the Weird Tales. Uh, obviously, that was in America. I was in Britain. Uh, months later, I got a, a letter back saying, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> ah. Well, I just wanted to say days. thank you for at least taking a chance, you know, because yeah. I would not have the confidence to talk to the people that I talked to if I didn't think that someone was out there 
at least enjoying reading something I wrote. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So what are your uh, favorite films in general, regardless of horror, genre, no genre? Well, it's going to be a bit predictable, but my all time favorite films are the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan the Barbarian. That's a film I can watch again and again and again, or just listen to the soundtrack again and again. Um, and probably my other um, favorite film of all time is The 13th Warrior. Oh, great movie. If, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people uh, slate that. I read the book first. Uh, uh, Michael Crichton um, wrote a book. It's called Eaters of the Dead. And it was a kind of, it was an adaptation of uh, a real manuscript, a real Arab traveler who went to the, uh, you know, the uh, Scandinavia sometime in the, I think the 10th century AD. And he wrote a book about his experiences. And uh, Michael Crichton took that and then introduced a sort of element of Beowulf and an element of uh, kind of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Eight Men, and so on. But I, I started reading it, having read references to the uh, the original book. I thought, is this real? <laughs> and what the, the weird thing about it was at the end, there was a, a kind of pseudo, um, uh, you know, an author's note, uh, and a reference of books that he encouraged you to read relevant to it. And the one at the bottom was the Necronomicon, <laughs> edited by H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> so what, what do you like to snack on while you're watching these movies? Do you have a favorite movie snack? Um, I can't say I do these days. I used to be Pringles. Pringles, my, I, I, do you have Pringles over there? Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, yeah. Probably, they're probably American in origin, but yeah, I used to be very keen on Pringles. Uh, that's uh, All right. So do you have anything on the horizon, Gavin? You got any new books coming out? Are you working on anything? Well, I've just finished um, a short story today. Well, sort of novella. Uh, but 10,000 words um, novella, which is um, the first one I've written with a, a new character who's basically a kind of Northwest Smith uh, type of um, space criminal, you know, Han Solo or whatever. Um, but it's set in a, you know, the, the, um, the solar system of the, the 1940s, 1930s, 40s pulps. So it's the 21st century, but it's the 21st century as envisaged from the 1940s. And it's the first one set on Venus. So it's a, this swampy world with the you know, uh, savage green-skinned natives and uh, reptilian prehistoric monsters and all that kind of thing. And also there are Earth colonists. Uh, and there's this guy, um, Blake Rogers, who's basically out to make a, a buck. And he, he ends up um, uh, getting in trouble with the organization, uh, ends up involved with a, a church uh, who uh, are trying to um, help the rebels out with medical supplies. But it turns out they're actually gun runners and so on it's uh um that sounds up my hopefully the start of a long series of this character awesome i do have a recommendation for you have you seen the uh have you seen the nicholas cage color out of space film no that's one of the ones i want to see but i haven't got around to i to, would say uh, watch watching it. i've heard good things about it are you a fan of any of the Stuart gordon movies no i didn't have seen any oh yeah that's uh reanimator stuff like that oh reanimator oh right yeah well i've never seen reanimator um, but I have seen the name of that's the same. same yeah, yeah, that's that all name, you need. Yeah. You don't need to say anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out that Nicholas Cage. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything else for you, Gavin. I didn't want to keep you too long. You know, it's a little bit later over there. Yeah. Okay. I'd well, love to have you back. Really good. Yes. Yes, sir. And I will be in touch. And if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to read what you're coming up with. And I will be checking out some of these, definitely checking out most of these today, probably buying some Excellent. of your books. I didn't realize you had so many. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, hope you enjoy. 
hope you enjoy it and i hope you'll send me uh, another story as oh, soon as I, possible I've, I've got something cooking up <laughs> all right you good have a good day man it's been great you too all right bye-bye. see you now.